0: I'm Ted Baker in the studios of WEOS and WHWS at the Scaling Center here at Hobart and William Smith, and this is the Hobart Football Podcast, episode 32, Centennial Cup game, final game of the regular season, we hope not final game period, with University of Rochester. Remember, now with a time change, 12 noon kickoff this week, joined by the head coach of the Statesman, Kevin DeWall. Welcome back. Good morning, Ted. So first things first, were you expecting Kazanowski to start at quarterback for RPI? There were some some allegations of a little trickery going on there.
1: Yeah, he was uh, he was listed in the two deep uh, that was sent. Uh, obviously, maybe something happened during the week, but uh, even prior to the game, um, we saw that. Uh, there's a different number 19 there kind of warming up, and whether that was him, whether they have, they have a lot of doubled up jersey numbers with the similar body type, so I don't know him personally to know whether that was him or not. But, well, uh, their,
0: their number two kicker was number 19, yeah. so I think that was the other guy warming up. Yeah,
1: so uh, either way, we, we kind of saw in warm-ups that they were the other quarterbacks were getting ready, and um, you know actually both of them kind of came out and, and had a pretty good start for them, uh, so... It was a, a little bit of an adjustment for our defensive staff, but nothing that um, you know we haven 't seen throughout the years i mean that 's the one thing in the sport of football is that there's just, usually injuries can happen just as much during the week as sometimes on game day so um, sometimes you got to adjust and see who's who 's healthy and ready to go and we 've been you know had that happen to us too, where we've maybe lost someone during the week or someone that hasn 't practiced all week sometimes is a game time decision and my hunch is that 's what happened with their quarterback is that he was probably. A, um, wasn't able to go, and they prepared the other two younger guys.
0: So you went down fourteen nothing in this game. First two drives didn't do much. Third drive, you got a long field goal attempt, missed it, and then five consecutive drives with points. What flipped the switch for the offense?
1: Yeah, I think it was a little bit of uh, the offensive line, and uh, you know, I think everybody on offense. I think you, you use that first drive or two. You watch a team on video all week long, and then now actually having that time to size them up. Um, Seeing their movement, seeing their size, seeing their strength, seeing their techniques, and uh, and really the first two, even the first three drives, um, I thought we had some things that we could have executed on and just missed for various reasons. Um, you know, so that was the message to the sideline, would just stay the course. You know, and 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 we thought that uh, you know we, we had a pretty good idea of where they were going to line up and and what they were going to do. So it really came down to more our execution, and I think. that's honestly the biggest impact. It was uh, the offensive line started to play uh, a little bit more uh, aggressively and and, and stout up front in terms of uh, getting a little bit more push in the run game which then gave us better uh, convertible third and fourth down situations. I thought Johnny uh, was efficient uh, in those drives and it was a really good balance between our run and our pass and I think our execution was better and I think as the game went on uh, the the physicality up front kind of switched to our side of the ball and it was a good stretch there again not the way we would have liked to fall behind especially you know against the backup quarterback you know the defense um, but we kind of stayed the course and I think one of the things I was really proud of is um, there wasn't um, you know any sense of panic or you know we say champions don't flinch we didn't flinch you know we stayed the course and we were able to get a, a couple of responses which was was needed you know especially that big one right before half and then uh, to come out and, and twice being down two, two different scores uh, at, at twice throughout that game. Uh, I thought it was really good for the offense to be able to come battle back, and then the defense uh, obviously stiffened and, and really started to become uh, more aggressive when they aborted the run and, and got into the pass. So it all kind of fell into the, the, the way we thought the game could potentially play out. It was winning that in the second half, and, and our guys stayed the course and we were able to pull it out in the end.
0: You ran for 206 yards against a team giving up 97. Is that your best O-line game of the year?
1: I thought it was our most complete game. I think there were some other games where we might have had more stats, and uh, I think there was a couple of runs that we were close to even bust them even more. But I think that was a really, uh, really positive part of the game plan was uh, we knew we were going to go commit to you know establishing the run, and, and I thought our guys up front really responded well. Uh, and I say, guys, up front, it's, it starts with the O line, but it was the tight end group that uh, actually performed really, really well along with that that offensive line. Um, I think the backs um, being able to have uh, three three of those running backs that were playing to be able to complement one another. They were running the ball really hard, and and then throw in uh, just some of the decisions that Johnny and the quarterbacks doing whether he's running or whether he's getting us into certain checks. Um, I was just pleased with that performance, and again, I think that combined with. An efficient, uh, kind of intermediate to shorter passing game this week. Just the way how they were playing us, there weren't many throws, you know, past that, um, you know, fifteen twenty yard range, and uh, we had, had higher efficiency in those, which you saw in the third and fourth down conversions.
0: I thought one of Johnny's best throws of the year was the one down your near sideline to Tim Denham, where he just put it. He just put it right on the spot just over the leaping defender right into his hands for a big play
1: yeah we had an opportunity uh you know we released five in that route and uh unfortunately one of our guards kind of gave up an interior pressure we could have had a, a potential touchdown i thought on the on the play uh, but great uh pocket movement you know relocating with a plan uh and johnny was able to keep his eyes where he ultimately wanted to go with it and, and put a nice accurate ball and to make the catch which was uh I think a 28-yard completion are in that range, which was a good chunk play to give us a good field position to go in and, and ultimately get some points.
0: Defensively, I'll talk about the quarterback pressure in a moment, but just their numbers. They beat you for a couple of long ones over the top, 76 yards on a rollout play, then the one to Goldsmith for 26 yards, and they had pretty good numbers in terms of completions. Is that a... Concern at all going up against a Rochester team that throws it pretty well.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, I think the back end we uh, between mixing some coverages, there was a couple blown assignments. Uh, RPI gave us a different look uh, that took us a little bit longer than I, than I thought we needed to, to to adjust to it. You know, they were going four by ones. And uh, so in some of those zones, we were uh, we were just outnumbered. And then uh, the big play was, you know, it was a pick route, man-to-man. We didn't play it as well as we could have. But on top of that, we missed a tackle, you know, which could have been a 30-, you 40-yard know, play. We missed a tackle and now it goes 76 yards. So those are the big ones that, you know, we got to prevent. You know, we've done a really good job throughout the year um, not giving up those big plays. Uh, but you think about the big play that cost us in the fourth quarter against Ithaca. The big play that cost us, late, you know, late in the game against Union, the, the the times we've given up those big plays, which is a little bit uh, atypical of us, those are sometimes where we got to do a better job, and oftentimes it's missing tackles, um, you know. But you know, we run an aggressive style of defense; we're going to be susceptible to those a little bit more than maybe some teams. Like we just talked about, RPI stayed back; they were back in coverage, back in coverage, so they're not going to give the big play. They'd rather show that the offense can put together twelve, thirteen, fourteen play drives. Um, There's times where we want to be able to do that on defense, but I also think we take a more aggressive approach to kind of force the hand a little bit. And um, I just think, uh, especially early in the game there, uh, I think it was a slower start than we wanted to on defense. Um, But I give a lot of credit to them and the staff, the players and the staff. And again, not pointing fingers, not flinching. We made some adjustments, and I thought it showed out in the second half.
0: I've always heard it said that defense leads comebacks because while your offense is trying to find its way, it's great when that other team, they get to that lead, and then that's it. Time after time after time, your defense keeps giving the offense back the ball until they begin to click.
1: Yeah, I thought it was a really good mix because I thought, uh, like I said, the way we started on both offense and defense was was not the way we we were hoping that first quarter would start. Uh, And I thought it was going to be more of a low-scoring game. I think I wasn't expecting them to get out you know, scoring 14 right away. Um, but that being said, you know I we had faith in, in what we were doing, and, and again, uh, trust that it's a 60 minute game, and uh, that we were going to use all 60 minutes of those. And uh, I thought that a couple adjustments and, and more, not even adjustments, just sizing them up. I think our defense had to get a chance to see that you know that they weren't committed to running the ball. You know, coming in, they had you know had done a little bit better job balancing it. And you thought with maybe some younger quarterbacks, they would try to lean on the passing game, or excuse me, the running game a little bit more to help it. And uh, I think we were a little bit more built to stop the run early on, and that kind of opened up a little bit in the passing game, and then we adjusted. and, and then I think eventually the pressures and just the movement up front, to, it, we didn't you know we had a handful of sacks, but we also had a handful of pressures that the, the quarterbacks were not always be able to go through their second and third progressions.
0: Offensively, it looked to me like you brought out a couple of things we haven't seen this year in terms of formations and plays, a, a couple of new wrinkles in the offense.
1: Every week we're going to try to give the teams new looks. I think part of that was uh, myself as a coordinator, you know, trying to size up what we're seeing in personnel. And I thought we found a couple things that we could use to attack their defense. And, uh, you know, sometimes we're showing things to make them think and draw up some things on the sideline that are off of our base offense, but just different movements, shifts, uh, formations other times we're trying to figure out how they're going to adjust and I think that's the one thing we hopefully we're going to do a great job is in-game adjustments and I think our staff has been able to show that throughout the game and, and we did a couple of things in game that um, you know we have you know at this point in the season you've, you've run a lot of different reps and a lot of different formations but um, the use of the tight end which um, you know just with Lucas Ruby down with an injury uh, we had a couple of younger guys that were able to step up, and you know that there, there was a set there with the three tight ends that we end up using pretty plentifully in there in the in the uh second half that was pretty productive for us. so I thought that was uh, a great job by them coming in and, and again talking on the sideline talking to the v there was a lot of confidence as as I'm looking in their eyes talking about this is in this series let's think about this if we look at you know this adjustment or they're rolling there. And that's the part of really uh, what I really enjoy is when you can actually have conversations with our guys and see that they're retaining the information and then be able to go apply it within the game.
0: I want to talk about right before the half, you ran that three-tight end look right, and you had a matchup on the left-hand side. You went to it five times, and it didn't work, it didn't work, it didn't work, it didn't work. Fifth time, uh, Rain DeRomola runs a hard route to the end zone, turns back, and it does work. Was that just something like you felt like we have the matchup here that we can take?
1: We knew going in. I mean, most teams put their top cover guy in the boundary. So number 13 for them was a good corner, fifth-year senior starter. Um, we had a couple of those work, were, were basically designed runs that could be thrown to the backside if we got the right look. So they weren't all designed to go there uh and actually one of them um in particular we would have changed the protection because there was one where there was a guy kind of in the in the way of the throw but ultimately that corner you know and he did it against three different receivers um i think yeah, so i know k had, had, had one of them yeah Peyton had twice where he you know big tall guy we had a chance to high point it and wasn't able to get a second hand up on it uh and then rain a couple times and uh to me, that it's you know every single play we go out there, and I, this is the credit I give to Johnny, and, and we go through our progression. Is we're all trying to create matchups, you know, and ultimately it's eleven on eleven, but we're trying to figure out in certain pass concepts it's two on one, three on two. Sometimes in the run game, it's numbers of for the offensive line, tight ends, and, and angles. What are, what's the best for the run? And and some of those they were playing a defense that's basically adding the extra safety down inside, but they weren't really giving number thirteen much help. They were putting him on an island, playing ten on ten football, and letting him lock up. So. I thought that looks, even though they were incompletions, that we were close. You know, one we, you know, probably could have been calling a PI, but we didn't explain. You know, didn't complain about it. We, we want to get the second hand up. He was holding our second hand from getting up on it. There was another one where, you know, we basically had it and just didn't secure the catch. So, um, you know, I thought it was a critical opportunity there right before the half, as we were debating on the field goal versus the the touchdown. Field goal makes it a one possession game. <clears throat> and I just, just think of momentum, you know, getting down there and not getting points before halftime. That would have a momentum swing for them. And then vice versa, if we could punch it in, that would be a big, uh, you know, big push for us. And credit to the guys. Um, you know, we talked about it, you know, through that timeout. And I thought we had the right play call. And, and more importantly, they went out and executed it.
0: I'm trying to be a very good boy this year when it comes <laughs> to officiating. But you, you said there might have been PI. I saw in the binoculars there were two of those. Where thirteen just had a complete shoulder lock around your receiver. He couldn't get either hand free. My question it's like the nine and a half yard first downs we've been talking about. I, I get the impression that officials have been given instruction to let it happen on the field, especially down around the goal line. We're just we're we're not seeing very much pass interference called and especially on plays in the end zone.
1: I agree. I think a part of it is those fifty fifty balls. It's all about the location and uh Johnny was accurate on, on two of them, uh, exactly where it need to be. Uh, but I agree. I think there's sometimes, and, and I'm I'm one of those that's wants to put the onus back on our guys executing. But I think you know, if you watch the film, there was there was some pass interference there, but they didn't call it. So uh, we talk about the next play and executing it. But I do believe part of that was uh, one one of the routes, route running wise, we got to do a better job stacking it and truly making it so that that defender has to go through our body. Um, number 13 did a good job squeezing on a couple of them. So that's why I say like I felt confident going back to it because it wasn't like as good as he was as a corner I liked our matchup one-on-one and I also liked um, based on the leverage they were giving us that that it was could be a good look for us but you know there's certain games where that ball is going to go to the field there's certain games we're going to run it in there's certain games we're going to throw it to overcoast the middle of the field so based on that coverage that's where the the ball was dictated to go and I think each time was I was really proud of it was like the O-line did a really good job down there against pressure or against that tight box where Johnny had the window to be able to throw it. And uh, ultimately, we put confidence in our guys. We rep it all week long. We've done it all year long. Um, now it's a matter going out and doing it. And I thought that was a really huge touchdown right before the half, you know, bringing it to, to 14 to 10. And then, uh, like I said, I thought going in halftime, there weren't a ton of adjustments on our end about what we needed to change. It was more the looks and, and that's where we started to wrinkle in so some of those formations and some of those personnel packages that that carried over into the third and fourth quarter.
0: I thought where the team really showed character was in the second half. They come out, they go right down the field and score. I mean, that's a big gut punch. You've done all this work to get back close, and now here are your two scores down again, and they just kind of strapped it on and went to work on both sides of the ball.
1: Yeah, um, 21-10, right out of the opening kickoff. uh, They went down and put together a good drive, and again, I thought that... uh, you know, we looked one another in the eye and said, "You know, so what now?" What? And uh, I thought that was one of the best. I mean, you look at those next two drives; they they could argue well, that's that's whole football there. And they were methodical drives, um, you know, double digit plays. I think one was a twelve play, one was a fourteen play drive, and um, and it wasn't um, you know it wasn't just like it was a, we had a big play. There were some big plays within that, but it was a really good job of winning the line of scrimmage. We talked about efficiency and then being able to to go through, and I thought it was more important to uh, get seven points than settle for field goals. And, and I think that's what our guys were able to do is really just keep it to the point where we were able to be aggressive on third down to convert and then keep us on the field for another set of downs. And you know, getting the one to make it twenty-one seventeen was huge, and then to turn around, defense get the stop, and then to go take the lead with two long drives. You could just tell the momentum and the confidence uh, when we finally took the lead there, um, and then you could just see the defense really pinning the ears back. And again, complimentary football we've talked about it all year long between um, you know some of the special teams plays that we've talked about with their return guy being a big threat. You know um, across the board, I thought our special teams defense and offense in the second half had the best symmetry we've had, and again felt like it was a sixty-game finish.
0: Johnny Columbia had two of those touchdown runs. He continues to impress me with his judgment on when to run. He doesn't take off lightly, but if it's not there, he can always turn a sack into a first down.
1: Mr. Elusive, and uh, he made a couple, got away from a couple potential sacks again on Saturday, and uh, like I said, even the one he scored uh, to take the lead there, um, you know it was a pass play didn 't have to, but he relocated and he was a threat to throw it first and then come into the run so i think he 's done a good job and, and we 'll need him to continue to do that here this week um, with a team that 's going to play very similar on defense with a coverage on the back end and you know sometimes quarterbacks get impatient and want to force in into coverage he 's done a pretty good job not doing that and knowing that sometimes running the ball or throwing it away might be better than trying to force in into coverage, and at the same time he 's been able to relocate and not just turn it into a run but relocate to throw first and then become a a runner second
0: talked about those fresh legs on the defensive line and and connor guns had two great weeks in a row he batted the pass to don juan two weeks ago two sacks and and you were getting a lot of quarterback pressure without blitzing you mixed in some blitzing but anytime you can get quarterback pressure from your three-man front and have the linebackers stay in coverage. You're going to be ahead of the game.
1: Yeah, it was really good to see, and, and that's the keys, like you said, if not having to always bring that fifth or sixth guy. Uh, oftentimes, with a three man front, we'll bring him one. And I think a lot of it was three or four man rush that we're we're getting there and influencing the, the the quarterback's pocket. And if we can do that, eyes come down to the the rush versus keeping it downfield where they need to be. And um, yeah, I thought right now, Connor, I believe he's currently leading our our league in sacks. And uh, he's had a really good response these last couple weeks and hopefully a strong finish on Saturday.
0: And then you can't leave out the special teams. I mean, Toby Weffering, one of the great all-time plays of the season was that last punt. He punted three times for a 50-yard average. And then the last one at the end, Walker Sutton gets out of the way, rolls inside the five, and you down it at the half-yard line. That was just putting the dagger in.
1: Yeah, we were hoping to keep it in the offense's hands, and uh, on that third down, uh, you know, we, we we wanted to keep the clock running, so we were running the ball versus trying to throw it for the first down. But uh, you know, knowing that they were going to come after it, uh, we talked about just one stepping and going, and, and uh, again putting it together the great protection. You know, the snap from Anthony Romano to his execution, and then uh, Joe McCoy down there with the coverage. It's it's all three. Uh, Facets, you know, you got to have the snap and the protection, you got to have the accurate kick and then the coverage part of it. So, um, yeah, we did a, you know, that we gave up our first, you know, return yards. He had a five yard return, but we talked about Ben Farrell's seven yard return. We actually out out, uh, returned him in that game head to head. And I think our coverage unit was fired up. They know he was a really good athlete and good player. And Partly it was those first couple punts, you know, kicking away from them, and then the other part was the coverage part, working together.
0: And I thought the kickoff coverage, you trusted your coverage because you kicked straight deep to Walker Sutton a couple of times. I thought we might see the old Hobart angle kick, but you just trusted that those guys could cover.
1: Early on we wanted to try and just see how they were doing it. The, The one return they almost got us on, and I think after that we kind of mixed it up a little bit. And part of it was just the location. Uh, I felt um, as well as our defense was playing at that point. I didn't want to give up uh, either a short field or, um, you know, worst case scenario, points because of the the coverage unit. So, again, our coverage unit's been strong. We held them to it, but at the same time, we wanted to mix it up. So that's where we kind of mixed up the the ball location on Toby's kicks.
0: Let's talk about the Centennial Cup game in Rochester Saturday at twelve noon. Chad Martinovich, Hobart Guy did a great job at MIT and and he's bringing this Rochester program along they get a little better every year
1: yeah this is the year especially uh, I believe they have 19 or 20 returning starters on both sides of the ball so this is a lot of those you know guys that played a lot of his first years uh, there's a handful of fifth year guys in it so I think on paper um, you know they're a really older and experienced team and, and it's shown throughout uh, the last couple of years when we've played against teams that are more experienced you know you just can't put a price tag on experience you earn it the hard way and um, I think you'll see it's senior day for them they've had a bye week waiting for us with all those seniors uh, I know this is going to be a really tough uh, matchup in the sense of they're going to be fired up ready to go uh, this is their Super Bowl this is a big one for them and uh, I know they'll be fired up to play us
0: Ryan Rose the junior quarterback 60 percent completion he's going to fire it all over the field you get one receiver with 67 catches another with 55 uh, tell us a little bit about their pass game and how you want to defend it
1: yeah they do a really good job uh you'll see them in the pistol formation so it'll be slightly different from what our what we see a lot of it is going to be run 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 play action and that's where they're getting in a lot of it and then as teams try to commit to the run they're they're doing a pretty good job with their quick game and screen game to the perimeter and like i said there's there's not a lot of intermediate throws it's either quick game or it's play action down the field and um, you know, I think that's the thing is they've been putting a lot in in his hands, his experience, um, the offensive lines experience. They got some good receivers and, and one of the better running backs in the conference. Um, and so, at the end of the day, we know it's going to be a challenge. And I thought last year they took the opening kick, went down and scored right away. It was seven nothing, and um, that's kind of been the. You look at how they've played, especially at home. They play really well at home. You know they were they were up on Union at halftime. They were up early on Ithaca. That was a tight game all the way to the fourth quarter. Um, you know, minus the game they had just had recently against RPI, they've been ahead or in and leading most of the time at halftime. So I think a key part of the game is going to be how our defense matches up against their offense, and then be able to, unlike we did last week against RPIs, is do a good job trying to prevent early scores because I think. As experienced as they are on defense, it might be a similar format where it might take us a little bit to get going. I hope we'll we'll respond quicker on offense, but I also know with as many returning starters as they have back, all coming off a bye week, they're going to throw some new looks at us, and it's going to be important that we, again, adjust within the flow of the game.
0: You mentioned their top running back, Daniel Papantonis. Now, he was hurt, missed a couple of games. Someone had told me they thought he was done for the year, so... He's listed as the starter. Do you expect him to start? Or is that going to be another make you prepare for him and then someone else is in?
1: I go off of uh, we, we we're we honest when we sent our two deep. I hope others would be. We found that that's not always the case. But his name's on the two deep. We're going to prepare for him until he's not. Uh, if you remember last year, he was injured and they kept throwing him out there. So I think as a senior, it might even be out there for one play. Yeah. If he can go, he'll be suited up and ready to go. But they have, they have other capable backs. Um, Same thing. They have one or two guys on defense that are listed, and whether they play or not. Uh, To me, the outside, you know, the personnel that doesn't matter as much as the schemes for for them. I think as much. They have some really good players, but I think they'll do a really good job. Uh, Again, having that bye week this late, being able to rest up, and then I think scheme us up. I think they'll have some things up their sleeves that, you know, either they've been able to really fine tune and know that they're going to be efficient with because they've been practicing for two weeks. Or at the same time, throwing some new looks at us. And I think that's where offense, defense, and special teams, we're going to have to be on our toes and be disciplined as we kind of be ready for some new looks.
0: They don't have a great run defense. You went about 2-1 to run to pass against RPI. Do you expect something similar for this game?
1: I think it's going to be a matter of how we match up. I think early on, they have some bigger kids. They have some size up front. um, But they've been known to play a too high quarters coverage. What we found last year, they started to blitz those safeties a little bit more. So that's why I'm, I'm going to be really curious to see what they do early on and how they want to match up with us. And uh, I, I think I think everyone knows uh, the talent we have in the in the running back field right now. So um, we're going to force teams to have to choose whether they're going to get the extra hat down at the point of attack or see how well they can hold up. And that, that's why I say, like to me, why I was really proud of how we performed against RPI was we were able to win the line of scrimmage to allow our running backs to show out. And we haven't always done that this year. So... Um, And I thought uh, Tim and Ray and EJ did a really, really good job on Saturday. And obviously they're going to have an opportunity to showcase themselves again this upcoming weekend.
0: We don't want to put the jinx on, but let's talk bowl possibilities if you win this game. Hobart and RPI from the Liberty League have filed. 8-2, Eight and two, you'll almost certainly have a bowl game. Seven and three is a possibility. You're part of the regional ranking committee, so what do you see as possible matchups if you win this game and go eight and two?
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting because you know, I think Region Two, especially this year, um, by the Landmark um, presenting, you know, for the first time their conference winner. I would argue in our region we have a really strong group of almost too many teams they didn't allow us to rank more than seven. Um, so lo-, lo and behold, that you got. Yeah, you got your six automatics and then you're gonna have a couple nine and one teams that are gonna be very deserving if they win out. Um, so I think there's three or four teams in our region that are looking for those pool C. Well, twenty eight teams out of the thirty two are automatic, so there's only four in the entire country to get in. So realistically it's a it's a dog and you gotta have a really strong strength of schedule and a great resume to be considered for it. So once that kinda of, once we kinda of see who's selected on on Sunday We'll have a better sense on, on Monday what we might get, but a couple of the other teams that have followed in for it you know you got you got some nine and one other eight and two teams across three or four different conferences uh, It looks like a stronger group on paper than it even it was last last year uh, and even the last two years so um, needless to say we got to take care of business on Saturday, but if we're fortunate enough to finish eight and two hopefully we've solidified ourselves for one of those. And then it's really, you know, to the determination of the uh, the ECAC just to figure out, you know, where do we kind of stack up? We've um, we've been fortunate to be selected in the in the top bowl game the last two years. Uh, two years ago, being able to take down uh, Westminster at Westminster. Last year, we fell a little short at Washington Jefferson. Both of those were playoff type talent teams, like teams that can go and win a couple games in the NCAA playoffs. So we know that if we're selected, we're going to play a really strong opponent. Uh, at this point, it's so wide open, and it's not really sure and clear who we're going to have. I think we got some really interesting matchups in our region this week. You got, obviously, the Union RPI game is going to be very interesting. You got ithaca Cortland that's gonna have a uh, a magnitude in terms of the, the the region two rankings. And then a couple other key games. You got Carnegie Mellon playing at Case Western, that's the big one. Um, you know, and so in terms of just not only of our us taking care of business against Rochester, we also then have to then see how the whole dynamic shakes down with all these other teams on you know, who gets the eight and two, who's seven and three, who's nine and one, who can get in the NCAA playoffs, and then there's a couple other conferences that have um bowl alliances kind of like how we used to do with the empire eight so once all that settles down uh, i'll have a better sense on on sunday but the only thing you know i know we're talking about this right now that made it very clear to our players all eyes are on the centennial club yeah. all eyes are on rochester and i think we've talked about trying to earn the opportunity and to earn it we're going to have to take care of today's practice and make sure that on saturday that we're have all eyes and focus on a on a team that's going to be super talented they're very old they're very experienced and they're gonna be fired up to play us and i think if our guys really embrace that they know that it's going to have a uh, just an exciting feel kind of like last week's game
0: one person who knows a lot more about this stuff than i do thinks we might host utica is that a possibility
1: Uh, i think that's there's a lot of different possibilities I think that would be great from a region standpoint. Um, But I also think in my mind, there's some other opportunities that I think might be a little bit more um, based off of how the ECAC has trended in the past. Um, But either way, like I said, when you face, you got potentially four or five, eight and two teams, they can go in a lot of different directions because, you know, I think at that point, I don't think they're necessarily seeding them one through six in terms of who truly is the best. I think there's, Conference matchups, like they're not going to put us against RPI, I don't think, right. again. They're not going to put you know, Brockport against Utica. They're not going to do Carnegie Mellon versus Washington and Jefferson. So like that's where I think there's going to be a little bit of skewedness uh, based on who gets the home, who gets the way, on who they perceive as the stronger team, or geographically, which teams might make more sense. So. Which
0: long-term, I, I think, is a good thing that this region's getting a little more recognition because over the years, they people kind of look down their noses at the Northeast, and it's all about the you know, the Wesleys and the Mount Unions and the teams from the Atlantic coast toward the Midwest.
1: Yeah, I really like, the, the, obviously, this realignment um, in terms of the regions has been helpful. And you think about when Hobart, when we were rolling there, when we were getting into the Sweet 16 and got to the Elite Eight a couple times, you know, I think that really started to really push the, this area. Um, we're obviously working to get back to that point. But even, you know, last year, uh, Ithaca, our, our conference winner, goes to the Elite Eight. The year before RPI, our conference winner goes to the Elite Eight. That was the year we beat RPI. You know, and, and there was a handful of teams that, if we didn't all beat one another, we probably would have had a second Liberty League team in the conference uh, in the in the NCAA tournament. Then, so I think if you look at even last year, um, Utica from the Empire Eight gets in and wins a game. You know, our Region Two winner two years ago, um, a Pool C bid last year was Utica got a win. Two years ago it was Hopkins, uh, Johns Hopkins got a win. So. If you look at it from the Centennial Conference, the Empire Eight, you got the NJAC, you got the PAC conference, um, uh which one am I forgetting there? We got uh there's the landmark and then uh oh the Liberty League. So if you throw in those six conferences, like right now, you're gonna have the, probably not a huge difference between when we rank those one through seven, seven's pretty close to number one. Yeah. And I think that's the fun part of our region. They're also not counting another five or six teams that we just talked about that are nine and one, eight and two. That literally, you fall on one. That's the thing about football. You fall one game yeah. short early in the year on a Saturday, and that can be the difference. So, we saw that last year. W and J was as talented as anyone with a high strength of schedule. Yeah, you know, and obviously Carnegie Mellon won their conference, went in, and, and did very well in the place uh, in the postseason. So, we believe that our conference is strong. Uh, we believe that our region strong, and I think as much as we want Hobart to do well, it's really important that you see our region too does well because. When we do get in, I think you saw last year that helped with Ithaca's seeding. Um, and Ithaca right now, Ithaca-Cortland, we're both playing for a a higher seed and based off of that game. So this this Saturday for them is going to feel like a playoff game. You know, Obviously RPI and Union is going to feel like a playoff game. And that's what you want is when you have big games, you want them to feel like a playoff game. And that's what RPI-Hobart felt like Saturday. And, and we're going to do everything we can to make sure that that's our mindset when we play this Saturday against Rochester is – that we're going to attack that, like all eyes on, like that's a must win for us to hopefully earn an opportunity the next Saturday. All
0: right, as a fan, I want to see this team play one more. I hope we do. Uh, first, have to take care of business Saturday, twelve noon against Rochester. Coach, thanks as always.
1: Thank you. Appreciate your support.
0: You'll find this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Apple or Google or Amazon, and get all your Hobart and William Smith Athletics news and Go Herons field hockey and of course both soccer teams this weekend at hwsathletics.com.